had some different thoughts this morning when I was preparing my last parts of my uh, message today or sermon, but uh, I have to let the Lord deal with it. He is the one that's in charge, not me. So I'm praying the Lord will help us. We're going to open up a theme, thy word. I don't have to tell you that we're in a lot of trouble in our nation. Uh, we're in a lot of trouble in the church as a people of God. And the reason we're in trouble is we've gotten away from God's word. I'm talking about God's people have gotten away from God's word. I think we've taken it for granted. Now, I'm, I'm not up here to try to preach down to you. Because I'm right there with you. Now, I wish, I, I, w- I mean, how do I know this book to be true? I'll tell you how I know it. Because of so many of the mistakes I've made in my life. I know God's word is true because I've been on the other side of the fence. That's why David said, until I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I take heed unto thy word. It's time that we as a people of God got seriously in love with God's word. In fact, we won't love God if we don't love his word. And so may the Lord help us today as we embrace his word, the truth of it. Psalms 119 is a beautiful division of God's psalm. It's the longest book in the Bible, Psalm 119. I'm just going to use one verse out of that. Psalms 119, 105, it's a very familiar verse. But so much of the Bible I think we take for granted. And we think it's just here and there. And when I'm talking about the Bible, I'm not talking about your iPad Bible or your, uh, your uh, smartphone Bible. I'm not talking about Jesus calling devotional books. All those things are good. I've used them all. I'm talking about a book that has covers on it. A book that is written. If you want to really want something to be gotten across to somebody. If you want a message to be preserved, you write it down. That's what God did. And he got, did that through men. It's got two ends on it. And God writes the last chapter in this book and in life. So I pray that God would help us and inspire us over the next few weeks to really get into this book. You know, the Bible is not to be just complacent and for convenience. It is a book to be committed. It is a book that we concentrate on. The Holy Spirit is in the white spaces between every line of the Bible. And it's not something that we can just academically academically embrace. You've got to have the spirit. You've got to have the attitude to be humbled by God's word, to really believe this is a message from God. Either it's true or it's false. Either one. And I pray that God will help us embrace that today. This This verse is such a great verse, and I'm going to really deal with that, the practicality of Psalms 119, 105 more tonight, I guess. I I had some thoughts on paths, the paths of life, which which means the uh, way we live our everyday life. Notice this verse says in Psalms 119, 105, thy word, that's God's word, it's not my word, it's not the culture's word. It's not the government's word. It's it's God's word. Thy word. 
And frankly, I'm glad we as a denominational people embrace the King James Version. Because to me, that is a kingly um, conversation going on. Thy word. Eugene Peterson's message, though I haven't read it lately, I've got one in my library, and it says, it probably would say, it's what God says, or your word. No, it's thy word. It's the word from the king of the universe who spoke everything into existence. Thy word, and only thy word, is, that is a present tense, a, in particular, lamp. Lamp. We need a lamp because this world is like walking through a dark city with open sewers. We cannot make it without a lamp. There are no street lights. The culture we, we live in tries to put them up there. And, and humanism has been, has, is, is trying to replace Christianity. And when that happens, we die. That's what happened to Israel. That's what's happening to the United States of America. And that's what's happening to you and me. That's why marriages don't make it. That's why churches split up. We don't have enough God because we don't have enough of God's Word. And we need to believe God's Word. We don't need to understand it. You'll never understand all of God's Word. But you believe it. You believe it because it's God's Word. It was written by God. It's His message to us. And it's not to be taken lightly. It is not to be filtered. It is not a multiple choice. It is God's Word. May God help us to really get involved in His Word and to love it and to embrace it and to live it as best we can. A lamp unto my feet, my personal feet. Feet means action. This book, God's Word, is about how we make decisions every day. There is no separation between secular and spiritual. All is spiritual. What we do every day, every decision you make, affects God. It affects others. And so it means that we watch where our feet. The Psalms or Proverbs says that we're to ponder the feet, the paths of our feet, that we might walk in His precepts. Are we looking at our life? How is our life, everyday life, measuring up to God's Word? I'm not talking about religion. God's Word is a practical book of living personally with Jesus. Of believing that He is the Son of God, the only begotten of God, the incarnate God. That's who Jesus is. And He came as a witness of the truth of God. He died to that end. And His very last words were, Lord, or Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus lived that as a witness of truth. So I want to talk about that. 
I want, to, I want us to embrace that because how important it is that we have a light unto our path, a light. A light is how we see. Just like this natural sun, we might not get look directly at it, but by it we see everything else. Don't you understand? That is what the light of God is about. By his word, by his light, we see everything else. Everything around us. The problem is light and darkness have no fellowship. There are many, many people who say this book is not true, who do not want to believe it's true. Because what this book does, it's not a photograph, it is a mirror. And until you and I get ready to see our sins, and we get serious about getting ourselves before God, and understanding His holiness, we'll never want this book. But once God enlightens us and we come to understand that yes, we're sinners and it's as painful as it is, we have a Savior who died for our sins. And you're looking at a sinner talking to you today about a holy God who has been forgiven. And I'm talking to a people who are sinners. That as you trust Christ, you have been forgiven. All of your sins have been forgiven. Because Christ died on the cross, not because you confessed them. Not because you went to church or were baptized. Because Jesus died for your sins. He is the Word of God. He is truth. And the truth will make you free. And we're about to the point we don't know if we're free anymore. And the reason we don't... Everywhere God's word went. I'm talking about history now. People were made free. I'm talking about as a culture, the size. But once Christianity was diminished and his word was, was put away, then freedom was also taken away. Are we seeing that? We are. And you've heard the analogy, and I think it fits. You know, there's a frog that was in a pan and put on the stove in lukewarm water. And the burner was turned on, and that frog never noticed it for a while. And then all of a sudden, he was destroyed. I'm going to tell you, the culture we're living in will do anything they can to kill God's Word. They will beat to death the very freedoms that this country was based on. You know why our country was based on Christianity, God's Word? And they will do anything to do, deal with, do away with it. And they'll make it look like religion. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's why we're living in a world that, that can you believe it? I know you're the same. You see things and you say, my goodness, I thought that was wrong. But now it's right. <laughs> hey, we got people that live a lifestyle of abomination to God <laughs> that are applauded and are running for the highest offices in this country right now. I look at them every now and then and I say, that is a it. 
I almost wonder if they're not demon-possessed. Don't get me wrong. This old sinner's no better. But I'm just saying what the grace of God will do. How low can we go? I wonder. But we're at the crossroad. And I believe as a little preacher, I want to say that until we get God's word, it's a preeminent rule in life of our world. We'll never get out of the darkness. We'll never be able to stop stumbling. We won't. You know, it's not. The problem's not abortion. It's not pornography or child trafficking or corrupt government or gay lifestyles. The problem, all those are a consequence of the true problem, God's Word. We as a people, and I believe this is the greatest sin of the evangelistic church, and I'm a part of it. We have failed to stand up for Jesus. We've been sucked in. We've been manipulated by the media and by the government and by our society. Because when Christianity becomes back burner, so to speak, I read some of the book. You probably read it. Francis Schaeffer's book, How Shall We Then Live? That book takes it from the historical standpoint back in the 50s when Christianity starts diminishing. Up until then, people have been depending on God, the Great Depression, the world wars. We pray, we understand God, but I'm going to tell you, friends, we are so vulnerable today in this country. Haven't we seen that lately? What will it be next? You know, if these tyrants can deal with a gas line, what's next? Water lines? Or worse? But what's happened, well, happens in that book, I'll tell you, he, he brings this out. And we bought into this. What replaces true biblical living for God is personal peace, one, and two, affluence. And that's where we are. I want personal peace. In other words, I don't give a rip about everybody else's trouble. I want to make sure I'm okay. And affluence. I want prosperity. I want things, things, things. <laughs> and we never get enough. And those things are hollow. And we know that. The baby boomers of my generation, we know that. It's, it's nothing. Our parents tried to provide for us both of those things and thought to just give, give, give. But anything without God is nothing. But God's word is preeminent. 
It has to be. It seems like to me we're so hard-headed, hard-hearted. But what happens, we, we get sucked into this. As I said, we get said, well, you know, if I'm not going to rock the boat. You know, I'm not going to make a call on a lifestyle because who am I? You know, I can't be judgmental. I'm going to tell you, if somebody's house is burning down that you love them and they're in that house, you're going to say, well, I don't know. I'm not going to disturb those people. No, you're going to go up and you're going to knock the door down if you have to. The Word of God. I want to say three things right quick in the about, about the Word. One is, it's thy Word. It's God's Word. Then I want to just mention, and I've kind of alluded to it, the culture's Word. Because, because here's what we need to know. The devil, what do you think would be the devil's greatest uh, tool I mean, what do you think the devil would want to do to take away the light and the uh, fellowship between God and his people and destroy a nation? What he would do is take away the word. Because when Jesus met the temptation of Satan, and you and I will too, in Matthew 4 in the wilderness, he said, it is written. Can you say that? Do you know what is written? I don't believe this is true, but, but listen, I heard this week, or I read, that 90% of so-called Christians never read the Word during the week. Now, I hope that's not you. I don't believe it is. But it's just kind of scary. Because that's what Satan likes. He will do anything to get you out of the Word. He will make you so busy. He will make you say, well, I can't understand it anyway. He will think you're a sinner and you don't need to be looking at something to go good. He will think, make you think you can't do it. He will make you think it's not true. But you call him a liar. That's what he is. That's what Jesus called. So, Thy word, the culture's word, and I want you to say you word. Because God has given you his word. He has written his word on your heart as a believer. That's the new covenant. Okay, first of all, let's look at the word. Thy word. This is the direction we have. This is the instrument, the power that we're going to have to deal with life. In this book, it answers it's answers to questions before we have questions. It's how, about what happens after we die. It's about what, how God deals with calamities, earthquakes, and, and all those things that happen. It's about how can we be reconciled to God. This book is about that. It gives us the answer. Is my sins forgiven, really forgiven? All this is in the Bible. How do we find comfort? The thing about the word we need to see is it will give us strength and light and food. It will give us all that we need. 
That's why God says through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is his righteousness. It's right. Seek it first and said all these things will be added to you. Whenever we lose in life, if we find the book and we find God, and so many times it's through the hurts and the disappointments and when we're knocked down that we really find the truth. It's so sad that so many times we have to be blind before we can see and, and we have to, our head crack before we can think. But it's thy word. Now, now, how do we know it's God's word? If I tell you that I'm telling you the truth, and you say, well, Randy, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And I say, because I said I was. <laughs> That's not going to do a lot. See, God's word is by inspiration. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. I don't know of any verses that are more clear on where the Bible comes from than this verse in 2 Timothy 3.16. Notice with me in your Bibles. All Scripture, that means Old and New Testament, is given by inspiration of God. What does that mean? That means that God, through his omniscient, omnipotent power, put into man the message that God would say. God's ideas and message, and man wrote that. It means God breathed it, okay? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that is teaching, salvation, the way of salvation, doctrine, and for reproof. We need to know when we need to be corrected. We need to know what we don't know. Because if there's no Bible, there's no correction. There's no way for correction, for instruction. That is how to do it, how to live life, how to love my wife, how to raise my children. How to be a good employee. How to respond to hurt and loss and death. God's word will do it. It's a lamp unto our light. Or a light, a lamp unto our path, a light unto our feet. That's what God's word does. And so God says all of his word is inspired of God. Now, God uses three major methods of inspiration, as I understand it. One, he lets the writers use ordinary means, like Luke in chapter 1. And then sometimes he lets the writers, like Paul and Peter and James, use their own style. 
And then sometimes God dictates directly his word, like Moses. The Ten Commandments were not Moses writing what he thought. It's thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not. God said that, okay? It's inspired by God. Now, now the deal is, what we have to embrace in understanding thy word, that it's God's word, because that is utmost important. If this is just a book, and that's what the atheists say, that's what the culture says, the humanistic culture, this is just a book. We have to see there's a likeness between Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, that he became man. Yet he was God. And this book being inspired by God, yet human. You get that? See, there's a great analogy. First of all, I want you to understand with me that the likenesses of Christ and God's written word go hand in hand. And I know we need faith. And you've got to make up your mind what you believe about God's word. And God does it by his will. He, he makes us willing. I mentioned the spirit. But first of all, God's word is eternal. Look at the gospel of John and first chapter in the first verse in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God that is eternal that is Jesus now let's look at Psalms 119 it's such a wonderful division of the Psalms but in verse 89 Let's compare the eternity that Jesus is to the eternity of God's written word. Look at Psalms 119, verse 89. And I think we could quote it, but I wanted to show it to you. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You see, you see the correlation? Jesus came from God eternal. His word is eternal, forever settled. There'll never be no more Bible. God has completed it, okay? Secondly, we see a correlation between Christ and his written word in the fact that they're from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit conceived. We know that Jesus, for example, uh, we find in Luke chapter 1 was, was in was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was. Even though he was from God, he became human through the womb of Mary and conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then look at 2 Peter, as we see where God's word comes from, chapter 1 and verse 21. Could you look at that with me? It says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. 
But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. See, it's, the word then is from the Holy Spirit inspiration. And then the third way that we see the correlation is there's no error, there's no fallacy in either Jesus or His Word. Hebrews 4 teaches us that Jesus, though He was a man, yet without sin. And then we understand God's Word as a Word that is without error. Perfect, converting the soul. And then I think it's in John chapter 10 in the New Testament we see that pronounced again by the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 35 where the Lord says, If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And I want you to know too as we think about thy, thy word when Jesus comes again, we understand our Lord Jesus, don't we, as the Word, the living Word that He is. But did you know when He comes again, and He's doing that, He is coming again, He's coming as the Word. Thy Word. Look at um, Revelation 19, just in, in passing, we won't dwell on, but I want to show you that with me. Revelation 19, verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That's Jesus. So we see thy word. This is God's word. That's the point I want to try to get across before we get into this theme of messages that this is God's word. And then we need to tremble at it. We need to read it on our knees. We need to be so thankful that God has given us a message. He humbled himself to condescend to be an author. God did. He gave us his word because he wanted us to have a message that he loves us and that he's with us and that he's given us a way to make it even when the world is going a different way. Okay, the second point I want to briefly get into is this culture's world. See, we're living in a culture that has pretty much substituted biblical truth for values rather than facts. Okay? What I mean by that is this book is a fact. You don't have to believe or understand a fact for it to be true. It's still a fact. Okay? And so, so the, the culture now says, well, I want it to be meaningful to me. If it's not meaningful to me, then it's not true. You see? And that's where we're going in this world. What is meaningful to me? What lifestyle I want to live? It doesn't matter what you think. It's meaningful to me. <laughs> we are living in a me culture. In that book, I cited uh, How Shall We Then Live. Schaefer also cited there were five elements of the fall of the Roman Empire that was noted when Rome fell. Luxury, 
which that was show and entertainment, prosperity, affluence, sex, art, the freakish parts of art, art rather, and then fifthly, depending on the government. We are in that same situation. Well, that's how we're supposed to be getting to. I mentioned manipulation. We all realize, don't we, that what we see on TV has been edited. You understand that? So what we see is not necessarily the way it is. What we see is what the TV folks wants us to see. And we're constantly manipulated. And I mentioned the, the values now. We, we're in this personal experience. And we say, well, you know, if you hear somebody say, for example, God told me a red flag should really go up high. Because there's religions, cults, really, that have came from those very words. John Smith built a religion on what he said God told him. <laughs> Buddha, Mohammed, all are liars. But the world embraces that. You see, we're living in a panic syndrome mode. I mean, everybody panics. Something happens and we got, we're going to run out of toilet paper. Something happens and we're going to run out of gas. And we're going to get to it. Because our personal peace and affluence is affected. We tell our children to go to college so they can make more money. That's more important than God's Word. That's more important than the realities of life and living as a lamp will light our path and direct our feet. Hosea chapter 4. Listen to this verse with me. In verse 6. Therefore, or says, hear the word of God in verse 1, of verse 6 of Hosea 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also Forget thy children. Now, now, what I'm trying to do is promote the Word of God. And I pray the Holy Spirit. I can't do this. God can. But we need to see God's Word as it, His Word. And we desperately need it. And we need to see that the culture and the world also has a message. And these are contrary. And they will mask the, the Word of God. 
And that's what they want to do. And I'm going to tell you, the Christian and the church, we have, we have some dark days ahead, but that is the time that the light can shine most brightly. And I pray that God would give us strength and energy to do it because it's God's word and he says that's a light. And that he, if God says it, it's done and he signs every page of this Bible. There's 66 books, 800,000 words written by over 40 authors. And they all say the same thing in different ways. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And we're to obey him and serve him. And in his way, is the way, the path, the way, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Now see, the reason this Bible is kicked around so much by the culture is, this book has the authority and even the audacity to say this is the only way it judges every other religion. And so when people embrace it, people will say that you are naive and narrow-minded. They said that about Jesus. They crucified him because he was telling the truth. But you know what? We can die at the stake as some of those martyrs were with peace when we are firm in our way of standing for God and the truth of God. You can go through a whole lot of trouble. You can lay over there in hospice. You can walk out of the room losing your blessed loved one. And you can have a peace that is settled by God's word. I'm telling you folks, we need God's word. And we need you to know that there is a way, there is a light. To direct our path and our feet. And then lastly... It's also your word. Psalms 1 says, the very first psalm says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I am so thankful that God has allowed me to pastor a people like you, Stakes for Premier Baptist Church, because you love the Word of God so much. And I know that many of you are such Bible students. I just thank God for you because I believe that God is stirring up his people in this world we're living in. I think there's going to be a movement of more people about God's word because you see that it has been offended. You see how God has been ridiculed and God must be grieved because he says he magnifies his word more than his name. But here's our, here's our challenge. If we don't stand for God's word, who will? God has called us to be light and salt. And we're still sinners in all this. Don't get me wrong. We're not some Bible thumper that goes around saying, well, you know, I'm better than you. <laughs> we're not. I did, a, I did a funeral service last week for a lady over at Metter, Hope Daniel. And, and her and Jack, her husband, were in the church over at Lake when I was there. And they had a little son, Jack Avery. He's grown up to be a man now. He was at the service. And he... He reminded me, and his daddy did, of what happened. I remember that. Now, at the Lake Church, I'd been preaching a year or two. Jack Avery, their son, was just a little guy. 
And so one day, uh, Hope said, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Avery came to her and said, he'd been talking to God. And Hope said, well, Jack Avery, you've been praying? He said, no, I've been talking to God. He said, what do you mean you've been talking to God? He said, you can't see God. And to which Jack Avery looked over and pointed at me and says, yeah, I can. There he is right there. I never forgot that. You see my point? That, that is what's getting to you. People look at your life and they say, you know, there's God. It's not that we're on the level with God, but I want you to know that God has put his word in your heart. He's given us his word that we might be witnesses. And I'm going to close with Ezekiel. Just reading some verses. And here's what it says. Ezekiel 33. Verse 11. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou son of man, now this is our word, Say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness. When I shall say to the righteous, Shall he surely live if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity? All his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity shall he hath committed, he hath committed, he shall live again. May the Lord bless us to see his word as the preciousness that it is. He says, speaking to the children of Israel in verse 2, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him in their watchman, when he seeth the sword come upon the land, here's what I really wanted, he blow the trumpet and warned the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou son of man, O, oh, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he turn not from his way, he shall die in his sin, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus ye speak, saying, If our transgression and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? It's a warning to us. It's our word. May the Lord bless us to take his word, to live it, to believe it, to trust it, to show it in our response to all the issues of life. May the Lord bless you. It's my prayer.